0: Good afternoon, everyone. And here we are today with a program brought to you by Flod, And we will be presenting with a panel of experts on how community centers will be the foundation of our community in the future for Portuguese Americans. So with um, no further delay, I am going to introduce John Bento. Leslie Vincente and Lynette de Rosa as our panelists for today.
1: Levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985 na sequência do Acordo das Lajes e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses.
0: John happens to be on our board and he will be talking uh, about some of the economics of the community centers and having put together one from scratch. Uh, Leslie will be speaking to us in regards to the history of putting one together and also having been very involved in the community of New Bedford. And John is coming to us from California and Lynette as well. And she will also contribute with her depth of knowledge with community centers. Okay, so why don't we start off with um, hearing from Leslie and some of the history behind um, what makes the community centers work for the Portuguese American community. That is currently um, we're seeing a not as much development of these centers. And have before, when I was younger, I remember um, going to many of the halls or community centers, but now my dad has passed away. He was 92 when he passed away. And it's that generation that is unfortunately passing on because that's how life happens. And the younger generation needs, I feel, to get more involved to continually make the progress of community centers for the Portuguese Americans evolve and continue. Otherwise, it may be a dying breed, as many things do happen. Go ahead, Leslie.
2: Hi, everybody. Um, good afternoon from Massachusetts. Um, thank you. Um, I, I've been here, I started with this school. 2015, um, the, school, um, the school is a merger of two schools, which is the Portuguese United for Education that used to be in the north end of the city and the of Portuguesa that used to be in the south end of the city. So those schools, like a lot of clubs, are merging because I think for you know, a lot of reasons there's not enough participants. So when I did join the school, um, we're probably down to 40 something students. Uh, today we have 200 and, as of yesterday, 237. Um, but to be a community um, community school, you have to work with the entire community around you. And you have, to be, you have to be accepted by that community. And I don't mean just the Portuguese community. You have to be able to work with other organizations, whether they're Portuguese or not. Um, believe it or not, the biggest supporters of the Portuguese school, and I'm not talking financially, um, just even financially, um, they're not Portuguese, but we do um, involve our students in a lot of um, community activities. For example, we will do food drives and we will work with United Way. We work with uh, the YMCA. Uh, We work with New Bedford Public Schools. We work with New Bedford um, Housing Authority. Our students are not all coming from Portuguese families either. They come from a lot of families. They come from Hispanic families. They come from some, yes, obviously the majority is Portuguese, but not all of them are. So it's really, really important to build your school as a common denominator, I guess you would say, of all these organizations um, so that you participate in their activities and in exchange, they participate and support you. So it's really, really all about community work and working together after hours, before hours, and not just the teachers and myself, but even our students, getting our students involved with projects for others, community, you know, serving the community.
0: And just so everyone knows, um, I'm not sure everyone heard, but Leslie comes to us, not only from New Bedford, but from having established the Discovery Language Academy in New Bedford, which was the merger, as she said, of two schools. So John, I know that um, you were the founder and started a community center in California, and um, maybe you could share some of your experience with that and the economics of it all
3: well i'm I'm designing a community center here in Rio Vista. we We haven't constructed it yet, but I've designed it. and so now the, the next step, which is of course the most important step is is raising the funds to to build it. But one of the things I did, and it's not a, a Portuguese community center, it's just a community center for for the city. But one of the things I did is go I met with a lot of the different groups in in the area to find out what their needs were. And so that I could design the facility to reflect those needs. And to Leslie's point, we were talking the other day that you know these Portuguese community centers, their core can be Portuguese, but they can, if they're properly designed and properly set up, they can attract people from other segments of the community uh, to make it economically viable. Because, for instance, in Rio Vista, we have a population of 10,000 people. Roughly, you know, if we had just the Portuguese people here, the building couldn't sustain itself. So you have to design, you have to, to you can have a Portuguese community center, if you will. But it's got to be able to reach out to other parts of the community and provide things that they need in order for it to remain viable. I
0: agree. And um, Lynette, do you have anything to add or share with us today?
4: Well, I mean, our community center, if I guess would be our, actually our Portuguese hall, the UPSCS hall. And, um, you know, it, I, I, actually this is really the center of when our community that uh, comes together. I, um, you know, we can go back to history in 1922 when it was established. And then uh, uh, they established the capella next to this little building that was the hall. And at that time, the fishermen would go out and the women would come together and it was a way to to support each other. And and really that's what it's about. If you, in 1948, it was renovated, it continues to be renovated. Uh, Actually the Capella now is a historical building in California and the application has gone in to Washington to make it a national uh, historic center. Um, As far as how our our hall services are, are, our community. Uh, we have a variety of activities. It's an active hall, I have to say. It's very expensive to maintain, but an active hall. Uh, we have a Portuguese market that's actually in the hall and, uh, and that is open and produce, has Portuguese um, products. It's not very big, but it's uh, people look forward to it. They actually continue to bring people in because they provide Portuguese food during the week, not a menu that they might highlight like this week was called beer for example. Uh, we have consulate services that come to the hall. We have bingo every Thursday. Now talk about a money maker and something that's very popular in San Diego is the bingo that happens in the hall. Um, and then uh, they have other small things like we have the heritage tiles that, that families can purchase and have something engraved on there that their families will continue to see through the years after they're long gone. Um, talking about things that hopefully we can continue as we do. We did establish about five years ago a Portuguese language program. That was the help of not only the hall, but the hall also under the hall, we have the Portuguese Historical Center. We have seven or eight other organizations and they've been uh, so supportive. One was the establishing Portuguese at the high school. Um, and that's been going on now five years, and we have four levels of that. Um, we They also, when we did the, the census, and we would speak to the different organizations, the Portuguese hall or the center, if you'd like, is the one that houses these organizations to provide meetings and fundraisers. Um, there's been a, an effort just recently uh, we have a very big Little Italy community, it's very touristy, and there was an I- interest in maybe to see if we could do that around our hall. And we've had quite generous donors uh, to uh, to contribute to that, and it's just in the infancy stages. But hopefully we'll be able to have that. Of course, our big fundraiser of the year is the, the Festa de espírito Santo uh, in actually in during Pentecost. Uh, although our other organizations have others, like for example, um, they have Festa de Lapa, they have the Santa Mada Festa, we have Rumerige at uh, Christmas time, um, uh, and many, many events that like, for example, the Portuguese Historical Center under Therese Garces provides the Fisherman Memorial. So we have a real active um, uh, hall or center? I don't know if you actually have communities that have halls and centers, but we really feel that our a hall provides for our uh, for our community.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds very robust, and um, I, as I'm hearing from both yourself and Leslie, definitely um, a way for communities to come together, not not always necessarily Portuguese communities, but I also think that we need to be innovative and creative to find ways to, if the, if the space um, lends itself to communities, then we need to definitely em- embrace other communities within the community um, to be able to continue to fund these halls, centers, as well as, um, Allow for not only youths but adults as well, because that you know every every sector of the community to make it thrive, um, and and survive in many ways. Because the adult uh, the adults are often the worker bees. The children come and grow in that environment and hopefully become the future of that center hall. So I think we have to have a pipeline of some effect to make it continue on. And I think that's where we possibly haven't done well as communities at times to continue the pipeline. So all of a sudden we're in this situation where they're passing on or, or just burnt out and not be not participating in the clubs as they used to in the past. Um,
4: I I, I can, if I can add to that, I think what was really key and I've watched it happen as I'm aging, uh, is our board of directors at the hall under ricardo de rosa who's the president of the of the the upscs hall the board of directors is quite young and when they first came on you know uh people were saying oh you know they're too young they don't know we need older people in there i'm going to tell you that that board of directors with their youth has brought in they do summer nights in the bar, and they brought in they've brought in lots of people. And the bar is a big money maker with music, and they have lots of fun with that. They've also done um, other uh, events. I had written them down so I wouldn't forget to mention them. Uh, the summer, oh, the soccer games, watching the you know the World's Cup. Or they provide uh, they work with the market to provide food, and this has really brought in younger people, which is really important. The festivals and young people, but it's a one day event. And a lot of times in right. Portuguese, that's all they remember is the Festa. And so having, and also having language provided. Um, uh, and uh, these are the things that we really need to start thinking about is how to engage the younger people. And I agree with you. And that's the mm-hmm. only way you to maintain uh, the rentals outside the community, pre, pre-COVID, I, uh, I believe the manager, Andrew, the said, That she had 800 rentals during the year pre COVID. Once COVID hit, that all went away. So they were really, you know, struggling, I think, Mm -hmm. to maintain. But but they're very wise. The sport is very wise and they have uh, good leadership and good financial uh, uh, guidance. So, um, you know, that's what it takes. I think the younger people have is key to Mm -hmm. maintaining.
0: I agree. And I think Leslie can speak more to this in terms of, you know, her school and not only being a school, but I think a co- they are a community. Um, I see it more than just a school. They support the families, the parents, and, and the children. And then having that three-prong approach can definitely, and reaching out beyond just the Portuguese-American community can really develop and bring in funds. And you can um, be as innovative as you want. I, I know Leslie mentioned something the other evening when we were speaking about, you know, the parents come and sit while the s- students are in school or whatever. And you know, maybe if you had a little corner cafe somewhere in the school where the parents could get coffee, not alcohol, because it is a school. But you know, maybe there are events that they could bring in alcohol. I'm not sure, but you know, just. Um, just having something that brings people together to socialize because that's that's what our community knows best how to do to socialize and engage with each other and have that opportunity to just chat. Leslie, uh,
2: yes, like we were—I was saying uh, the other day was if we had a bar at school, we wouldn't need any fundraisers. The PTO would be all set. <laughs> <laughs> All the funds would be taken care of right there and then, but obviously we're very lucky here in New Bedford because we're in a big Portuguese, you know, we have a huge Portuguese community. So we have a lot of Portuguese organizations, we have a lot of Portuguese clubs, um, and we're also, our space is really important, so we are, we have a space within a space within the space, but what I mean by that is we are right, we're downtown. Uh, in a five floor um, building that was purchased by Mr. James Mello, who is our number one supporter, who believes in economic development through education, otherwise it's not going to happen, and obviously he's is, is from Peek, <laughs> uh, So he, not that, that means anything, but I just want to say that he's from Peek. Uh, and he, he heavily supports education and being bilingual because, I mean, we are in, we're in an area where it's really, really important to be bilingual. Um, so with that being said, okay, so I lost you for a little bit. Uh, then we have our school that takes up the third floor, this amazing building right downtown New Bedford. And then within the school, we have a room that's called the community room that's sponsored by a group which is the meeting in Norvest, they're from San Miguel. It's, a, it's a, a group that also has a huge event in the summertime uh, to provide services um, to hospitals over in the island. So they support that room and that's the parents' room. So we have coffee, we have espresso machines. We don't have the bar yet, I'm working on it. We have the espresso machines, we have the, the chair ribs, we have places for the parents to sit, we have a couch, we have chairs. So the parents, instead of, because the class is only two hours, instead of them sitting in their cars, uh, instead of them going home and having to come right back, they sit there, they relax. I had a parent the other day He said, I just, I work from home. I just got more work done in the two hours that I was here waiting than if I would have at home because the kids are home. So you have to provide also, you have to provide a comfortable space for people um, to want to be there. You have to, you definitely have to provide amazing classrooms for these kids uh, to want to be there. You want these kids to want to come to school. You don't want anybody coming in uh, with frowns and they don't believe me, they run, um, they run into the school. They're, they're pretty happy to be here. Uh, we provide as much as we, as we can, but it's not just Portuguese. Um, we, we can't be that narrow-minded. Uh, we have ESL classes now. For our immigrant community, but not just for the adults. We have a family uh, support program that also supports English literacy for the ESL children. Um, we receive grants from um, the community foundation here in Bedford, um, also Bakhs Bank, which is one of the banks here in the, the United Way. So we get help from those organizations because they understand the needs that the community has and that we have the facilities to provide them. But like, for example, the class that we have for ESL immigrants, they, they're here, they, they're they not absent. They don't, we, we have 24 students and they're here every time. Um, we provide coffee for them. Today we're actually gonna have subs and Bay Coast Bank is gonna come and teach them about financial literacy as part of the ESL program. That's, that's really, really important. A lot of immigrants don't realize that if they have a bad score, they can get it fixed, if they can buy a house, they don't have to hide their money in cans like we used to in the old days, they can (laughs) go to the bank. So we also provide in partnership with other organizations, we provide those services for them that otherwise they wouldn't know where to go get them. We also have, we have Spanish classes uh, too. And most of our students are students that are bilingual, they already speak Portuguese and English, but they want to learn that Spanish. For their jobs, I think we have seventeen classes right now. We also teach out of the site. We have a class over in Bridgewater that we teach um, English uh, to uh, employees of FEMA, which is a medical uh, company. That they want us to teach them not just the English, but also certain uh, a lot of the vocabulary needed for them. And they're all good versions in this class. to become better employees, to, to understand their supervisors a little bit better. So that it, it's not as hard for them to go to, you know, so it's work is more enjoyable, I guess you could say. So then like, oh my God, I gotta go to work. I'm not gonna understand my boss, what is he saying? So we have those classes as well, but this didn't happen tonight. It's It's a lot of work, it's, you know, it's a lot of hearing no, 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 and then finally you get a yes. And then you, you know, you, you create a program from scratch. Uh, Obviously, um, our Portuguese classes, you know, are extremely important. Uh, We opened up uh, preschool age. Uh, We opened the kindergarten age. This year we have two first grades because our first grade was full. So we have 36 kids in first grade this year, which uh, we probably, I don't think we've got 36 kids in first grade since I've I've been here, Uh, probably, So we had to open, we have first grade all the time. Um, But really, really, really important um, to work with others. I can't say that enough. And open your doors to everyone. We also provide food. We know that we have families that need food. We know that. So we reach out to other people. We don't give it to them. We pour bags on the table, we leave the food open. They can grab whatever they want. Some are embarrassed, that's up to them. And we don't. We ask no questions. Uh, we had a, a, a summer program uh, this summer, which is really important too. We had a lot of kids, we had a lot of kids. A lot of those kids came back, they're registered. A lot of those kids couldn't afford to come to the school even though it's minimal, that's okay. We don't say no to anyone. We'll go out there, we'll find sponsors for them. But we also partnered um, with New Bedford Public Schools, so they make sure that those kids had breakfast every day, those kids had lunch every day. We heard children tell us that that's the only food they had all day, so we made sure that on Fridays they took bags of food that they would, uh, you know, take them through the whole Saturday, of Sunday, until they came back on Monday morning. So it's almost it, yes, we are a Portuguese school, but we we do a lot more, including social work, so that our children. And our uh, community it for as much as we can. We
0: don't do everything either. We, we do what we can. John, I know that your um, community center hasn't been built yet because you're in the design stage. Um, but first thing is the funding stage. How, how, are, um, how is the city going to go about procuring funding?
3: well the city's not going to be able to because they simply don't have the funds but so it's going to fall on the community Uh, and that's one of the reasons why i went to the various groups in town to get their input uh, for the design but also if they if they buy into the design they're going to buy into paying for the building because they see that they're going to have a role in it Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's another side that you have to do so we're just going to have to do, do grassroots and, and raise the money from the various you know, Lions and Rotary Clubs and various things that we have in the community uh, to be able to build it. But you have to start with a design. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we rebuilt our city pool a few years ago, um, we raised a million and a half dollars to build a pool. But I had to design the facility first so people knew what they, they could see what it would look like. And be able to, to wrap their heads around it. And then they started writing checks. So you've got to start with the design first. You've got to have the property, the design, but when it comes to a hall or community center, if the community center doesn't have something that my group will benefit from, why would I write them a check? So exactly. it's critical that you, you encompass the needs of the entire community if you hope to raise the funds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the what's in it for me syndrome, right?
3: Basically, yes. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, no one's gonna write you a half a million dollar check if there's nothing in that building that's- That serves them. Serves them, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. just the reality of it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and um, I think it's great and I think that's very um, smart for the building that you're designing to actually do the focus groups and the legwork, um, the needs assessment to determine what people want because oftentimes people move into situations without considering everyone else and then others feel left out or offended, might I say, and then they don't participate and then folks wonder why, or then the other um, issue could be um, competition. Right. You know, with so many other organizations competing for people's dollars. And so how do you wrap? How do you make that happen? Knowing that, you know, competition's a reality.
3: Right. Well, we have a Portuguese hall here in Rio Vista and it's used for the local Portuguese groups, but it's also used by other groups because that's the simple reality of you need to open it up to other groups in order to make it financially viable. It's still a Portuguese hall but it is open to to other people and it provides needs that those other groups uh, you know, have.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it sounds like the hall um, UPSC or center in uh, San Diego really has quite an organization there with all the different dimensions and, uh, and able, and as as Lynette pointed out, there is a center and a hall. So competition doesn't seem to be an issue or a concern. And well, we, as
4: in terms of, I don't see it as competition, but like the church, the hall, when it was established, did not like some halls are connected to their church. Mm-hmm. Ours is, but our church does also support our community uh, offering lots of, you know, uh, religious uh, events, sing out of Fatima, all those types of things, and also distributing food for those who need food. Uh, at one time, they also offered Portuguese classes at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a very good relationship between the church. There has been always between the church and the, and the Portuguese community in the hall, uh, as we call mm-hmm. them. I
0: think. I think I you know. Seeing what Palkus has been doing with offering cultural events online and, and different types of webinars, hosting artists and musicians. I think that's also something that is would attract a variety of different community members because it is true. Um, other, you know, out there are there is a big um I don't know um, tendency for folks to come and try our Portuguese food, um, and they come back for more. But I, I think also there's a um, a desire to learn more about the art, the history, the music, um, and you know look at you know a person like Cesaria Avuda from Cape Verde who became a superstar, and there are other Portuguese artists that we that we know like um, Marisa and and Dulce um, Punch, all those, all those folks. That yes, a community center may not be able to bring that kind of caliber person in, but there are so many um, thriving new artists that would, you know, are great fundraisers or or hosting an artist from the community, um, whether it be the Portuguese community or beyond. I think those are great ideas um, to bring in some some uh, collaboration.
4: I wanted to mention uh, when you we were talking about events to bring other other peoples in to know the Portuguese uh, and what they're about. Um, the Portuguese Historical Center, which is right across the street uh, from the new S E S Hall, um, uh, hosts once or twice a year something called the the walk, and it's a community walk. And so we post that in, uh, or they do, I'm just a volunteer, uh, post this event on our local um, websites, like the neighborhood website or the community website. And we get quite a few people who are very curious. They come out and they say, you know, I've always seen this Portuguese hall, but I really wanted to know what it's about. So they get to visit the hall and the market and the capella, And then we walk and talk about the Portuguese education because we had had... Uh years ago uh when uh when there was a revolution, we had lots of Portuguese children. So at the local public school, which is on the way on the walk, we talk about the bilingual education program and then talk about what's happening now at the high school. Then we go up to the church and talk about how the church was established by the Portuguese fishermen and we talk about some of the buildings that are still there and the canneries. Anyway, people are very interested in that. And then we have the dancers dance. And that's what I think that that's not, I mean, it doesn't bring in big money because it doesn't ask. We don't want to discourage people with a large ticket price. But uh, I have to say that's been pretty successful in letting our community know who, who we are.
0: Yeah, that's I, I think that's a great way to bring in others. I think Leslie mentioned another example of that, just with um, the soccer clubs in the area and how, how being a sponsor of one of the teams, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they were able that all of a sudden their numbers grew for the school because came invested in the school through the soccer environment.
2: Yeah, so um, like when I was saying that that particular event didn't bring much money but sometimes the, the, the events that have the most impact, especially people, uh, uh, community impact, they don't bring you money, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Like we have a breakfast uh, with Santa at, at Christmas time. We haven't had it in really two years. We're going to have it this year. And it's not so much to make money. It's uh, So the kids practice singing mean, Portuguese carol. you know, Christmas carols, but in Portuguese, which is great. But then we have, I mean, well, grandmother doesn't want to come and, and see their grandson, grandchild sing, right? So then we get all these participants, all these people that come and bring their families to see the kids, and it's like a little mini concert. We probably, we don't make that much money at all from it, but that's not the point, is people get to see the cultural aspect of the school. And then we have the folkloric pool, which is the little kids that everybody loves. So they get to dance. So that's bringing, bringing out awareness. And we don't do it at the same place all the time. We don't have a hall, so we don't have a place. We have to rent out. So what we do is every year we go to a different club in the city, so that we don't go to the same one all the time. Sometimes we go to the north end, sometimes we go to the south end. It depends. So We try to be fair, I guess, and take our show on the road. Um, but yes, we, so what we did is there's a close town here. It's called pushnet. They have a huge soccer association. There's, I mean, they they start playing in the morning and they go all the way until five o'clock with the four year olds, the five year olds, the six year olds. And um, we, we like, how can we get more kids in the school? This was probably three years ago. I said, my God, if you get 500 kids on, on these fields every Saturday morning. Why don't we just sponsor a team? One of our board members said, why don't we just sponsor a, a team? So the school sponsored a team, of course, we put our names, you know, I went there the day of the opening and yeah, that I got to talk to the team, uh, talk to the players and say, I'm, you know, I'm the director of the school that's sponsoring. We went there opening day. We had a table with books. We, it was, it was raining. Believe it or not, they canceled things for a little while, but we were there with our flyers, our brochures, and our books. And, and yes, it, it, it pays off. It, it pays off to be, even when we have feasts, I'm talking about school-wise. I know not everybody has a school. We have the Portugal. We have a PTO that they go there with tables and, brochures and with and the kids, uh, especially the kids. It's really important to have kids involved because they are the true poster children of your school. They're the ones that really represent you. I mean, I could talk until I'm blue in the face about how wonderful the school is, when you hear from a child that they love coming to the school and they can't wait until they come to the school, um, that's a whole, um, a whole different uh, you know, aspect, element of it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and any little thing helped. Molasadas, we couldn't do fundraisers. So we said, hey, we've got to get these people to food. It's in the food or alcohol, right? So we went to the Molasada sale. It was, it, it, it was a success. We had a Molasada sale in the parking lot. We do the molasadish, it was, people drove through, we handed it to them, they laughed, but people love molasadish, but they didn't know, not everybody knew who Discover Language Academy was. To the point, I got a phone call this summer, can you guys come to our feast and do molasadash? I'm like, we're not a molasadish business, we just did that that time to raise funds, they want us to go to their feast and do molasadish, which was great you know because but then they thought of discovery language academy and the mola so and this clinics, i know that um, before i right before i started paulito was here and they did a clinic and there was about 500 to 600 kids that joined the the, the clinic so that's i mean you can obviously you can of paulita every day but it's always <laughs> a matter of events. events bring people um to to the place people gather who brings people together. You know, I'm really interested in John's uh in John's building. I'm, like, I can wait like to hear a lot about that. I think that's, that's amazing, you know, uh, stuff yeah. and, um, from scratch and like, you gotta have a mission. You know, you have to have a mission. That's really, really important because it's that little mission that you just keep spreading the news, I guess. And you have to have people, like John was saying, it's not easy to get that person to give you the money
3: you have to have people that believe in you. So your mission has to be authentic and has to be true. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, um, there's one thing I think that really needs to be focused on uh, with these halls because obviously they're an important part of our community and they need to be kept going in order to keep the community going. And a lot of times what gets overlooked is is the maintenance of the building. And I'm glad to hear that Lynette's saying that they are constantly updating their building. Uh, when the building's built, it's grandfathered into code, but if it deteriorates after a time where it becomes a bit of a fire hazard, then that that becomes an issue. And with respect to accessibility, buildings are not grandfathered in. And I'll use the example of the Portuguese Hall here in revisit. It's a two-story building. The second floor is not accessible, and they risk someone coming along and filing a complaint that they cannot get into that that second floor so it's critical that you know for the future of these halls and community centers that they be updated and upgraded so that they do remain uh, in compliance with accessibility requirements that they remain in compliance with fire codes um, because otherwise you know they risk being shut down and what you don't want to do ever is shut your building down I had a hall in Freeport which is Uh, up the river from here near Sacramento, where they were gonna shut their building down until they could raise the money to make the repairs. But if you shut a hall down for more than six months, it's not grandfathered in anymore. And so when you go back to open it up, now you've gotta meet all their current codes. So it's really critical for these buildings, for them to remain viable parts of the community, that they be maintained and be in compliance with fire code and building code and accessibility, otherwise, they're not going to survive.
0: True. And the and with ADA and the compliance, it's become much more rigorous with um, things that are public buildings to be accessible. Cor- uh, correct. It is, it is a liability and a concern. And I'm sure that that has presented its its problems to certain halls and clubs in the past.
3: Well, you know, a lot of these halls, like the one here in Revis, is over 100 years old. So obviously, it doesn't have an elevator in it, and it doesn't have a lift because they didn't have those 100 years ago for those kind of buildings. But they have to have them now. And um, you know, for these community centers to be the basis and and a focal point of the community. They need to be maintained; um, otherwise, they won't survive. And um, a lot of the, you know, we we Portuguese people aren't the most flexible in the world. Um, so it's a hard. I have a hard time explaining to some of the groups that you've got to do these things. Uh, they they don't want to hear it.
0: Right so do any of you have any words of wisdom for those out there um, whether in our portuguese american community and beyond um, for um, resurrecting halls that are hurting or to um, continue the work that's being done with halls to to ensure that we have continued Folks from the community in your halls and centers, and um, to revive, not only to use it for fashions, but also for events. Hopefully, beyond this COVID pandemic. So, Lynette, any words? Well, there are so many
4: good ideas presented today. Uh, I, I'm sure somebody will take something back with them. Uh, for me, just again talking about getting the youth involved. Um, you know, it is nice to have a place for the older people to play cards or to get together in the org- some of these organizations, but really the key is the youth. The youth needs to get involved. And so um, this idea, you know, what's really popular, I didn't mention it, is our Portuguese uh, American dancers. And they have danced all over California. They've gone to Portugal to the Azores. Like they've gone all over. And kids, there's different groups, uh, young group and an older group. Um, and uh, for the first time this last year, they, or a couple of years ago before COVID, they had more boys in the group than girls, which always was a problem uh, to get the boys involved. So again, you know, looking at how can we get these, the, the youth involved in in our community community, uh, events. uh, And even if it's just to sell raffle tickets, you know, one of the good things that the high schools have put into place is that they have to have service credit during the year. So a lot of times they'll come to us and say, you know, what is it that I can do so I can get community credit, you know, for my high school, uh, uh, my high school record. So, you know, that's what I would say more than anything else. because we're all we're we're all fading you know uh and uh and um what was fun for us 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago uh no longer really the 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 youth today they really don't even know who these people are that we we have fond memories of Uh, so again uh, you know when you were talking about a center it made me think about we just had a fundraiser and it was all virtual. Even though the fundraiser came uh, to, was at the hall, the, the week before we did the, the, the auction items, all virtual. People said, all the older people won't know how to do it, and this is gonna be a problem. And I thought to my end, so what they did is they got their children or their grandchildren to help them, but maybe that would be something we can offer as technology, some technology classes for our older people as well, and having the young people
0: yeah, provide that for the field. So that's a, that's a great idea. And while you were talking, I kind of was thinking, you know, it is true. Some of the the things that we cherish have memories of, like foods that our grandmothers used to make, or um, you know, uh, there are some t- very talented craftsmen and craftswomen in the community that used to do renda or um, or, you know, even even um, woodworking and, you know, things that um, folk uh, and certain sculpting or carving, these would be great little things that if you could invite um, folks from your centers to have a workshop for kids to to sign up and have, the grandmothers come in and teach how to make malasalas one day, or teach how to, how to, how to make soup, you know, sopa já or whatever. It just something that, if that's a possibility, might be a big draw. And even maybe there are some adults in the community that wanna learn these things. So it could be a mom and daughter event or a son and father and son event. And, you know, I, I just came to mind. You know, there are so many seamstresses in, in, in New Bedford and Fall River that would share how to make something to the kids, you know?
2: So I'd I like to pick on that. I absolutely agree with you. So one of the things that we did with the summer program is, you know, we have the um, the Immigrants um, Assistance Center in New Bedford. So their elderly group came here every Tuesday to do crochet with them oh. and it was, um, it was amazing. If you go on Facebook and 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 see the pictures, first it was like, it was like oh, the boys the boys are not gonna want to do crochet. Now the boys did crochet. The boys loved it. They learned something new. I had a teacher that said during break time, one of the boys was like can we can we do crochet while we're taking our break? Can we do the needles? So they learned. I mean, they started very little, but by the time they left, they could you know they all had a bag of you know ball holder. Uh, to go with them and it's not it, they taught them a new skill which is really really great just the bonding between the young yeah. and the old to see the patience that they had and even our most active kids were just um calm when they were there with these women it's almost like they brought this nurturing to them some kind of instant medicine where They, they were just, it was just, it was a, you know, it was just a a great uh, thing to see. And another thing that's really important, especially now with these kids and Lynette is right. We have to get the youth and one way and we cannot deny it is technology. We have to, if we don't have the right technology, especially in certain places, uh, especially my school, obviously, and if we don't use virtual resources, um it, it's it's much much harder so you have to use um virtual uh, resources which we actually you know have um but you have to use. it's a great resource that they give the school you have to use they have amazing amazing exercises online but we are lucky because we have smart boards in the school we have virtual reality but you have provide those services just to build a dynamic uh, environment. And culture is so important. Culture is so important because if kids don't understand the culture, the customs, the traditions, they're not gonna wanna learn the language. Why am I gonna learn the language if I, for what? You it also, so it's really, it makes it a lot more exciting uh, to learn the culture, you know, either through the folkloric dancing. I know up in San Diego, the, the roles roses like to dance and sing and have a, <laughs> have a good time. And I think they're contagious in the community. But that's important. That's spreading the Portuguese culture, uh, and uh, and our language eventually uh, uh, comes along. And what John's doing, I think, it's amazing. It's amazing too. And we just have to keep battling and just uh, you know keep making these centers the center, of, you know, a huge center of our community.
0: Absolutely. Um, and John, I think we will all look forward to seeing the resurrection of this building and what it becomes in the community. I don't know if anyone has any further comments to make. I think this has been a great session so far and hopefully it's helped, been helpful for others that have been participating with us live online. Well,
3: I, I think I just wanna add that I think it's in, you know, it is important to, to I don't think we can overstress how important these facilities are, because as you know, younger people are interested in. There's still a lot of younger people who are interested in in Portuguese and Portuguese things, but they don't necessarily know where to look, or they think they they understand what being Portuguese is about, and there's and, and they don't understand the full breadth of it. These community centers can provide an avenue for people to come and learn. I, I, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine in my Lions Club. She's British. And uh, I, I enjoyed explaining to her that uh, the, the tradition of tea came from the Portuguese Queen.
0: Oh, oops. We lost John. Maybe he'll come back. Hmm. Interesting. His internet probably went out or something. Well, I, you know, hopefully John will come back. If he doesn't, you know, I I think it is true um, what we just shared. Is a lot people don't know about our community or the Portuguese community. There's a lot we don't know about other communities, and maybe that it's a interchange of sharing and embracing. The dialogue, because I think that's a problem we face today in society where we don't know enough about what we don't know and problems arise and in circumstances. And I think the more that um, children and adults can learn to embrace one another and understand each other and understand, you know, sometimes it's just because we don't know someone's why you know, we start to point fingers before really digging deep to understand and get a better sense of community. Uh, And we all, we all are human and we all are, uh, don't, we all have our faults, but I think at the end of the day, we need to learn to live together and learn from one another. And I think it's just beautiful if we can get elders to teach us and pass on what they know and the youths to pass on, but in the other direction, what the elders don't know. Um, and it, I think it is true, Leslie, what you said. There is, um, you know, children, or uh, we don't, We sometimes they don't think enough of their elders because oh they're boring they're this but when they have that occasion then all of a sudden they're like oh it's a aha moment right it's a matter of appreciation
2: yeah and i think we all need to remember especially different clubs like i live in the city where there is a lot of them being portuguese is not a competition there is enough and i was born in san diego as you guys know um but because i live In an island, you know, I feel like when I came here, I'm still, I'm still an ELL, I'm still an English language learner, I'm still that kind of a student, so I feel I'm still an immigrant, even though I was born here, but being Portuguese and uh, spreading the Portuguese culture and the language is not a competition, there's room for all of us, there's, you know, we can all be, there's no need for, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to share because I want to do this in my club. No, that's, that, that, that makes no sense. Just because you have an ESL class and somebody else has an ESL class, that's great. You should not look at the other person. Oh, that's my competition. No, we're all in this together. We're all working together. I have no, if my class is full and somebody else has a program, I am the first one to call up that person. Can you take this student for me? I am completely full. I don't have room for them. So uh, I think once we get that through our adult minds, that you know, we need to work together for the betterment of our community, then stress really goes away. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then people really get the services that, um, that they should get. John is back.
3: John is back and connected. I- Sorry about that. I, I guess when, when someone calls you on your iPad and you're on Zoom, it kicks it out. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that.
0: So you were talking about the Queen, if you wanna leave us with
3: those. Oh, no, I was just gonna say that, you know, the, these community centers are are important because, you know, as Lynette and, and Leslie said, you know, younger people, they're interested in being Portuguese, but maybe they don't, not, are not necessarily interested, per se, in the festas, and they still want to, to know about our, our history. And I use the example, a friend of mine in my Lions Club, she's British, and she's very proud to be British, And I I brought her down a peg or two when I explained to her that the whole tradition of tea came from Queen Katerina. And uh, she wasn't really happy to hear that. Uh, (laughs) Because when you think of British, you think of tea. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, if it weren't for her, they wouldn't be drinking tea. So there's a lot of things when I talk to some of the younger people in the community, the younger Portuguese people I know, and they have a hunger to know. They don't necessarily—they're not necessarily interested in the festas, maybe, mm-hmm. but they are still interested in learning about Portuguese it's and culture things. Mm-hmm. So those these community centers can still provide an avenue for them to learn about our history. Um, you know, a couple of friends of mine—they they go to Hawaii yearly, uh, and you know, half the things that they enjoy about Hawaii, uh, like the malasadas, aren't Hawaiian. You know, the Portuguese <laughs> ukuleles, Portuguese. I tell them you should go to Hawaii, go to Portugal you know, because mm-hmm. everything you like about Hawaii is actually we brought over, so mm-hmm. they didn't know that. So, anyway, so e-
0: even the Portugal. tea, as you mentioned, you know, the largest importer of tea, and maybe even today, I don't know, uh, is from the Azores, from San Miguel, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, the factories that exist in the in San Miguel, very. Cool. Well,
3: know, I have family in South Africa, and I've been there a number of times. And the Zulu homeland is, it's called KwaZulu Natal, because when the Portuguese went around the Cape, they landed in the Zulu homeland on Christmas Day, and called the area Natal. It's still called that. Mm-hmm. So you know the, the the influence is is pretty astounding when you really think about it, but. these community centers can provide a lot of avenues for for people in our community to continue to learn about our culture because there is a desire for them to learn, at least from my perspective.
0: I believe that's very true. Well, I want to thank everyone for their participation today. I think it's been uh, an interesting conversation and hopefully benefiting all involved, including all of us. So uh, I wish you well, for your the rest of your days. Um, in California, it's still quite early. <laughs> but uh, come visit San Diego. Oh, no, we will. We will. <laughs> Definitely. Take care and thank you very much
3: yeah. for your participation. Thank you, very much for participating. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye-bye.